0: Let's Rethink Possibility, Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: Looking back on where we first met, I cannot escape and I cannot forget. Southgate, you're the one, you still turn me on, and football's coming home again. Hello and welcome to the game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. We are here every match day of the World Cup, podcasting after 10 o'clock UK time every night. A sincere thanks to Olivia Bell for providing our wonderful intro today. France are into the World Cup final. Will England be joining them? In the studio with me, Mr. Bill Edgar. Hi, Bill by Natalie. Later on we'll be joined by Oliver Kay for a review of that 1-0 victory for France over Belgium in St. Petersburg, one of whom will be England's next opponents, and we'll be hearing from a man who watched the game in France and Belgium. Plus we'll be getting a Croatian perspective on the significance of Wednesday night. Writer Dario Brentin tells us why some in Croatia are divided when it comes to winning the World Cup. But first, England are on the verge of their biggest game in 28 years, their first world cup semi-final since Italian 90. Henry Winter is in Moscow with Gareth Southgate and the squad and, and Henry just how historic a day is this for English football?
0: Absolutely
2: Natalie it's a totally historic day for England um, I've written I think probably about three and a half thousand words on it today it, there's just so much to say I mean you know you can talk about the history you know I mean, I've, I've written a book on it and I've sort of gone back through some of the sort of you know the salient moments I talked to uh, uh, individuals, players, managers from uh, every tournament team from uh, 66 onwards. And, you know, what struck me with talking to everyone from Jack Charlton to Glenn Hoddle to John Barnes to Ian Wright, um, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, all these all these greats of the game was that even though, you know, they were frustrated that England hadn't done well or hadn't been doing well, they were all they all believed. And I think that was, that's such an encouraging thing and that's what Southgate has really built on here that there is this passion for England to do well, that there is this belief and by tweaking it, making England stronger tactically, by working on set pieces and by removing the fear, um, England have got a chance. Personally, I think they'll get through against Croatia because of the strength of their set pieces. And then, of course, it's the French in the final, which would just be absolutely huge.
1: Oh, you're telling me. Uh, But, of course, if people go back and listen to our our World Cup preview podcast, Henry, which was over a month ago, I I asked you perhaps more in hope than expectation whether this would be the end of 52 years of hurt. How much has this England side exceeded your own expectations?
2: Totally exceeded my expectations. I mean, I thought they would get to the quarterfinals and then I thought they would meet a strong team there and, and then go out. But I think the fact that... Psychologically, they've shown that they're stronger than expected. Actually, what's happened is that a lot of things that people have been calling for, bringing a proper sports psychologist in to work with them, work with the younger age groups, just to make them stronger mentally so that the shirt doesn't weigh so heavily. And England have done that with, uh, with Dr. Pippa Grange. I think she's been a really important individual, as well as obviously Steve Holland and Alan Russell with the work on the, the set pieces and getting the players you know, tactically ready for the games, when to press, when to hold, all that sort of stuff. I think she's been incredibly important because fear is always the key with England. Southgate knows that. He's been through tournaments where fear has been a problem. And I think she's addressed that. She talked them through, almost talked them down from the ledge over uh, Nice and, uh, and their defeat to Iceland in the Euros. But some of them were scarred by that. And I think she's tackled that scar tissue. And, and England have been able to free themselves from that and, and move on. They're a very fearless bunch. I know they're sort of young. I know they're not too many of the older players who carry the baggage of history. But I do think they're something very sort of fresh and free of the, uh, the old inhibitions.
1: Well, someone, of course, who is young in the squad is Raheem Sterling. He continues, Henry, to divide opinions with fans. What's your own opinion of him on how he's getting on in Russia? And Southgate had further praise for him, didn't he, in his press conference?
2: He did. I mean, we had a separate briefing with uh, with Southgate, about eight of us behind the scenes. We had a about 15, 16 minutes with him and Jordan Henderson. And, you know, he was very interesting there as well. But on, the, on Raheem Sterling, I think that anyone who's been watching England and also has watched Croatia's defence knows that Raheem Sterling can get behind them. Now, he may not score. And everyone accepts he should be taking those chances, which he had against Sweden. But the fact is, he was getting in there, he was creating space for others, he was stretching them, he does so much work. You talk to any of the players, and look, the players will always support a teammate, but you can almost tell if there's a pause or there's a look in their eye, or maybe they look away or whatever, how committed they are to the player. All the players are totally committed to Raz, as they call him. Interestingly, Gareth Southgate was saying that a lot of former players have been saying, absolutely, you have to stick with Raheem Sterling saying it to him in text messages, emails, even though he's just changed his email because people have worked out his FA email. And, and, just, and just saying you have to stick with him. Look, England can bring Marcus Rashford off the bench. There's absolutely no question about that. I don't think this is necessarily naturally Raheem Sterling's best position. But I just think he, you have to play him because of that threat, because of that pace.
1: Well, England's first choice 11 seems to be set in stone, but Patrick Vieira has written about Croatia's midfield for the Times-Henry. He compares Modric, Rakitic and Brozovic to Xavi, Busquets and Iniesta, the best midfield in the tournament, as Vieira calls them. And Vieira says Henderson, Lingard and Ali need to be aggressive and press them. But do you think there's a case for Southgate changing things up in midfield, bringing in Dyer to work with Henderson?
2: I mean, I'm a huge Dyer fan and I think tactically he's a very useful pivot. If stones or Harry McGuire step out, he instinctively steps back in to, to keep the position. I would be absolutely amazed though if he if he starts, because Henderson has been doing such a fantastic job from that sort of deeper pivot position. He needs Delhi Ali, who, who wasn't at his best the other day, but he scored. Jesse Lingard's been outstanding in terms of uh, distance covered, in terms of tackles put in, in terms of work rates, scored fine goal seems quite a long time ago now I'm not used to England being this long in tournaments um so it's almost stretched over two months actually it is July isn't it so no absolutely I mean I'm a, I'm a huge Dyer fan I think if it filters into extra time Dyer will come on because we know he can take a penalty maybe just shore it up if England are, are leading but uh, no I think it will be pretty much unchanged team
1: Bill, I just want to ask you about the tiredness factor for Croatia. They went to extra time and penalties twice in six days, whereas England have had a relatively comfortable progression, especially against Sweden.
3: Um, they did, and, and mentally it was uh, England had very little taken out of them against uh, Sweden uh, given that they were ahead after half an hour and didn't seem in much danger. It was different of course with the match against Colombia but while Croatia have had those two extra times compared with England's one on the other hand you've got to say that uh, Croatia have had two extra days rest since the last 16 compared with England because their last 16 match was 48 hours before England so, um, so it evens up a bit but, uh, but yes from an England point of view you you have to hope that all those collapsing Croatian players near the end of the, the quarterfinal is, is a good sign.
1: We do have to clutch at any straw, Phil. That's yeah. what we have to do. Uh, the Croatia striker Andrej Kramaric has been writing for The Times during this tournament. and in, in his column in The Game this morning, he states, England believe football's coming home, but we hope to send them home. Do Croatia have what it takes to break England's hearts?
3: Yeah, I think maybe uh, people are underestimating Croatia a bit. I mean, it's just the, the feeling everybody's so desperate for England, all England fans, so desperate for them to get to the final. Having it'd be the first final on foreign soil in either of the main competitions, and they've they've been trying since 1950. So uh, there's a desperation. You almost you don't want to even consider the possibility of them being knocked out. But but I would give. Uh, Croatia at least a 50-50 chance, perhaps slightly more than England, um, basically because of their uh, top-class midfield, which uh, they have the sort of players that England don't have, Modric and Rakitic. So, uh, so unfortunately, they can certainly knock them out. But it, it's, it's going to be, and it's much really like the, the France-Belgium game. That was very competitive. Equally, I think, England-Croatia, there's no obvious, you wouldn't say L1's an obvious favourite, it really could go either way.
1: Uh, On the subject of football coming home, Henry, Three Lions by Vadil and Skinner and the Lightning Seeds are number one in the UK right now. A renaissance is occurring for that song, but Gareth Southgate had his own admission regarding that song, didn't he? And and Euro 96, of course, in particular.
2: Yeah, I mean, it brings back, you know, it sounds like a funeral march probably to him. You know, it's like those those grey shirts. So he probably doesn't really want to be reminded of it I and mean, we, we spoke a little bit about it with him but what is funny about that so look, it's a, it is a it is a fantastic song but the issue about that song is actually the complete antithesis of what england are doing at the moment because if you talk to the england players and you talk to southgate they're almost turning their back on the past not in a disrespectful way but they're saying we're making our own history we weren't born when a lot of the uh, you know the, the lyrics from the song were mentioned, so you know we are, you know we're freed from the past, which is so important because I think the past is tied up with the fear, with uh, with England certainly in recent teams because they would always feel compared to '66, and I think Southgate has moved the agenda on from that. He said, "Listen, these are the mistakes of my generation, and particularly his with his own mistake. So why should I talk to my players about that? They're making their own history." So look, the song is fantastic. Personally, I prefer World in Motion if we're going head-to-head <laughs> on great football songs. I
1: think you've got a point there.
2: <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, it's, great. it's a great song and it just shows how obsessed people are with the national team and, you know, with, uh, with England at the moment and it's wonderful to see. That is great, but it doesn't actually fit in with the, the mindset of these players at the moment.
1: Mm. And we now know if England reach the final, it will be France, as you said, awaiting in Moscow on Sunday. Just how big a task would that be, Henry?
2: Huge. I mean look, Belgium a, a fabulous team. You look at the players they've got. Lukaku has a company will lead at uh, at the back and and Courtois as well. But this this French team, they've got something extra. They've got a bit of superstar status. I mean Mbappe perhaps hasn't been in his best in the last couple of games, but you know, we've we've seen what a you know, ferocious talent he is, that skill, that pace. So I mean they've got Griezmann as well. I mean they, you know, they've they've Giroud Arsenal fans will be scratching their head to see uh, Giroud in 90 minutes away, possibly from uh, being world champion. So if England do get through, and I do expect them to get past Croatia because of their togetherness and because of their set-piece strength, it is going to be a formidable game. And France rightly will be, will be favourite with the strength they've got all over the pitch. But what a game that's going to be if it gets there.
0: The Game World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer.
1: You can hear live commentary of that semi-final on TalkSport. England versus Croatia is live at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night on TalkSport. And we have a competition for our listeners. If you correctly predict the final score and winning team of the World Cup final, you can be in with a chance of winning an Amazon Echo worth £90. It's open to UK residents aged 18 and over. The competition ends at 11.59pm on Saturday the 14th of July 2018. To enter and for full terms and conditions, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash win. Best of luck. It's been 28 years since England have reached the World Cup semi-finals. Their opponents, Croatia, have only been an independent nation for 27 years. The game on Wednesday night marks another significant milestone for Croatia as a country. And I'm delighted to be joined now by Dario Brentin from the Centre of Southeast European Studies at the University of Grants. Dario, thanks for coming on. You've been studying Croatian politics and football for many years. We'll get into some of the central issues shortly. But firstly, how important is the Croatian national team to the people of Croatia?
4: Well, it's been it's been sort of an ongoing thing uh, since the early 1990s. As you just mentioned, Croatia only gained independence in 1991 and was internationally recognised in 1992. Um, and throughout that time, it was particularly the first president of Croatia, Franjo Tudjman, who was a nationalist and an authoritarian, but who was well aware of the galvanizing effect that football can have on a society, both as sort of as an ambassador in international context, but also as a homogenizing force uh, within a society that is going through, um, well, a bloody conflict and war. Um, so there's been, um, so this concept of the state building and nation building sport and not just football, but also other team sports who've been very successful throughout the 1990s and beyond have been sort of linked to linked with this state building project of the 1990s and have since become sort of a pillar or a sacred center of, of creation identity. So it's, it's impossible to talk about creation national identity and not to talk about football. And this is sort of where my, my research dwells into.
1: Croatia haven't been to the semifinals for, for 20 years when their hero was uh, Davos Suka, who won the golden boot in France. He's now the president of the Croatian Football Federation. But is it right in me thinking that his status as a national hero has shifted somewhat?
4: Yeah, very much so. I mean, what I've just mentioned, uh, pretty much established let's call it a cult of the national team in the late 1990s, particularly uh, through the World Cup 1998 in France. But let's say over the last 10 to 15 years, that status has been slowly eroding, crumbling, mostly due to the fact that the FA, or let's go go about it from a different perspective, a lot of the fans uh, felt that the FA in Croatia had been privatised by... uh, Certain number of, of people who had been running Croatian football in their own personal interests, questions of corruption, questions of nepotism and informal practices, uh, with uh, Zdravko Mamic, who was uh, formally aligned with Dinamo Zagreb, arguably the biggest club in, in Croatia, and Davoljuker at the very forefront of this uh, of this group of people. So over the last. Uh, let's say, six, seven, eight years, there's been an ongoing almost war between organized football fan groups and the FA. And arguably that has um, that has seen its peak in 2016 uh, at the Euros uh, when Croatia played uh, the Czech Republic and Croatian fans uh, managed to interrupt the game and actually uh, sort of... Um, almost almost get Croatia kicked out and they were arguing uh, that this was sort of a cry for attention or a cry for help in order to get international uh, media attention on Croatia and onto Croatian football. So yeah, Davor Shukra is no longer this sort of shining star that he was in 1998, but there's certainly a variety of of, of uh, critical voices towards him and also the way that Croatian football has been run for quite some time now. Uh,
1: so uh, in some ways, would, would Croatian football fans be a little bit torn? Because if they win, is that a win for for Shuker and the federation, which obviously they're sort of
4: Against Now, I wouldn't say that because one has to differentiate between organized football fans and ordinary people who are sort of in this due to the carnivalesque experience of uh, football fandom every couple of years or every four years. So there's a big difference between the two. Uh, and organized football fans are certainly not a majority in the current sort of state of, of, of a nationalist uh, frenzy that has engulfed Croatian society. I'd say that most people in Croatia uh, would be very happy uh, to see Croatia go to the finals and actually win uh, the World Cup. And those uh, those as you as as you referred to those who would want them maybe not to do that well, don't do that because they hate Croatia or because they don't love Croatia quite on the contrary. Um they do that because it would potentially jeopardize their entire uh fight for a more democratic creation football because it would as you said. It's- give the power haulers in Croatian football a significant amount of not just economic but more importantly cultural arguably or more importantly uh, cultural and and, uh, social capital. Um, So yeah I guess there's a couple of people rooting uh, for for, for England in Croatia as well. I'm just not sure whether that is the majority of Croatian society.
1: Mm. And I know Dara you you sort of touched on Zravko Mamic a man considered to be the most powerful figure in Croatian football who was sentenced to six and a half years in jail for corruption but Luka Modric was kind of involved in in that uh, court case wasn't he and he's been charged with perjury Uh, Mm -hmm. so he's not so much of a hero back home is he?
4: Well, again, you know, you have to differentiate between these two sets of fans. Uh, on the one hand, you see uh, anti-Luka Modric graffiti. Some of his murals have been uh, have been sprayed on with with anti-Modric graffiti. On the other hand, uh, I was at the game uh, Croatia against Nigeria, and there were there were 15,000 people roughly i'd say from croatia who were chanting his name so it's not that clear cut He's certainly also become a more polarizing figure and one one may say that uh, or at least i i i think that one can argue that uh, people with uh, such responsibility as the team captain of the croatian national team uh, they should be held accountable and maybe to a higher moral standard. Um, so I don't really think that he's done himself any service with his conduct in this entire court case around Zdravko And I'm not sure whether this is going to stain his, his legacy or not. But to me, the feeling is if he wins the World Cup for Croatia, all of these might be forgotten in the end.
1: You're probably right there, Dario. And just lastly, from your own personal opinion, how do you think they'll feel about this run that they're on at the moment at the World Cup and possibly reaching and even winning the World Cup final?
4: the country is in ecstasy I'm on my way to Zagreb tomorrow to watch the the semis uh, on Zagreb's main square and I'm sure there'll be a hundred thousand people watching with me Um, I can only imagine what kind of a a euphoria will set in should should Croatia reach the final I remember vaguely 1998 and what kind of scenes were ongoing throughout the entire country and this can only be topped uh, if uh, if they reach the final because back then and it was only the semis or only, I say in quotation marks.
1: Well, Dario, do appreciate you coming on. I hope you enjoy going to Zagreb tomorrow, but I also hope you don't mind me saying that I hope it's not a huge celebration and the fact that the party will be over here in London and in England
5: in general. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us.
4: I think that's fair enough. Thank you very much for having me on. <laughs>
1: we will be giving you a times trivia teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by bill edgar who is sat opposite me and last time out we asked you which member of france's starting 11 in the quarter final win over uruguay was not born in france who was it bill
3: Well, it's the man of the moment, Samuel Ntiti, who scored the winning goal today against Belgium in the semi-final. He was born in Cameroon. He was the the one who was not born in France.
1: There you go. You've got a bit of a habit of picking these these players who score because Harry Maguire was our previous question as well, wasn't he? Okay, our teaser today. So Alf Ramsey is the only manager to have won the World Cup with England. But against which nation did he lose his first match 5 2 in 1963? Tune into our next podcast where you'll find out the answer. France are through to their third World Cup final after a 1-0 win over Belgium in St. Petersburg. As we mentioned, Samuel Umtiti with the only goal six minutes into the second half. The top scorers in the competition could not find an equaliser. In front of the watching, Mick Jagger in the crowd. It goes to show you can't always get what you want. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I blame the producer Charlie for that. Uh, Oliver Kay joins us now. Uh, Evening to you, Oli.
6: Evening, how are you?
1: Very, very well. Um, Mtiti, as I say, and Raphael Varane, they were instrumental in holding on to that lead. It was an immense defensive display from France, wasn't it?
6: Yeah, they, they've looked defensively strong throughout the tournament. They look very well organised. They look serious, they I mean, business, they don't make many mistakes and um, as you said, Varane and MCT um, were excellent tonight. I would also praise Kante and Pogba um, as well as the obvious Mbappe who, who, who seems to get better and better but Kante and Pogba excellent as well. I, I just thought it was a really controlled, mature um, team performance, not spectacular, maybe didn't have the individual. Skills um, or individual sort of brilliance at times that Belgium threatened to have, but they had enough, and, and, and I thought they were deserved winners in the end.
1: Yeah, Bill, it was a real rear guard action from the French bodies on the line. We've seen some exhilarating football at times in this tournament, but this was all about heart, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, they kind of sat back, they allowed Belgium to have most of the possession. France certainly have lots of great individuals. Griezmann and Mbappe, Pogba and Kanté for world class players, but it was really the uh as a team they that they had a good structure and held held firm, heading the ball away. I mean Belgium were knocking in crosses over and over and over again in the last 20 minutes but they were heading them away well. But yeah, as Oli said, they have looked very good defensively. They had the one game against Argentina where they Uh, only won 4-3 but putting that one aside the other five games have only conceded uh, one penalty I think in all that time so so they do look um, very solid yeah.
1: Well France are through to their second major final in a row following Euro 2016 and Didier Deschamps looking to become just the third man to win the World Cup as a player and a manager Mario Zagallo of Brazil and Franz Beckenbauer of West Germany the other two. Oli a word on the job that Deschamps has done. Well,
6: I've been at press conferences uh, that he's done at this tournament, and um, certainly in the early stages, he was getting quite a lot of um, grief from, from from the journalists over over tactics, over selection issues, and I mean, you know, people will say, "Oh, that's just journalists." I, it, that reflected, the, I think, the mood back home as well, and, and even um, the mood amongst some of the players, because very good players were left out, like Rabiot, and I think Deschamps is in a Difficult position in some ways because there you've got so many very, very good individuals to pick from. I mean, it's, it's a wonderfully talented squad, a wonderfully talented generation of players. And people have always got their favourites. Some people might want Dembele to play. Some people might want Fakir to play. And he has, he has basically had to try and make a team. And he, he, in order to do that, you've probably got to make less popular decisions. Giroud isn't everybody's cup of tea in, in terms of... The French public, the French media, but he's not scored at this tournament. But he's 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 done a good job for the team. Matuidi on the left of midfield, really, he wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea, but he he does a really good job for the team as well. And it's um, I just think they they look probably the most organised, uh, resolute team at the tournament. And if you look at the look at the players they've got, yes, they've got the, the, those two excellent defenders, um, Varane and Obiti, but you would have said that were, their strengths were more going forward. But I don't think you win a tournament like this just by being good going forward. I think you have to have that resilience. You have to have that organisation structure. And that's what France have had throughout. They've also had the individual quality of... Mbappe at times, Griezmann at times, Pogba at times. And to me, they look the most complete team, I would say, at this stage. I think it would take something um, quite remarkable from England or Croatia to make me think, going into a final, that France weren't the favourites.
1: Bill, let's have a, a word for Belgium. The top scorers in the tournament, the golden generation as they're known, were they just unlucky? Was it just not their night?
3: Um. I think France uh, edged it. I think it was a, fair enough. Um, they, you know, they they tried the hardest. They uh, Hazard sort of shifted places. De Bruyne shifted around the pitch, moved around. They were quite inventive tactically. They had three at the back: uh, Alderweireld, Company and uh, Vertonghen. And, and while uh, Chadley was a right wing back, there was no real left wing back because Hazard dropped back there occasionally. So they were they just Decided they didn't really need a conventional left wing back. The first 20 minutes it started off quite well for them. So Martinez tried his best. He had uh, in there, and uh, it wasn't just kind of one one plan that didn't work, and that was it. I mean, they they, they tried their best, but I think uh, they've been criticised for not being a, a team, just a collection of individuals. I think they've they've uh, changed perceptions uh, to a certain extent at this World Cup. They've been improved in that respect, but they lost out to a, a better structured team in France in the end.
1: Uh, Ollie, while we've got you here, we've got to speak about England. Uh, you've spoken to Gary Lineker and Gary Neville for the Times in the last few days. Some great interviews. Uh, what does the old generation make of what the new generation is doing right now?
6: They're really excited by it and enthused and by it. And I think both, both of those guys know that they were different generations, really. They didn't overlap in, in terms of the England team. But... but they both probably just feel like they were part of generations that went close, but not close enough. And they thought going into this tournament that they didn't have sky-high hopes. I don't think any of us really did. I don't think many people were saying England will will reach the semi-finals. But, but they, they, they were both very realistic about it. They are both emphasising, yes, things have fallen kindly with the draws and, and, and you know, just full of praise for what Southgate has done, for what the players are doing. Gary Neville was saying that going into the tournament, he has he had question marks about Pickford, question marks about um mm-hmm. Harry Maguire, um about Trippier, whether these three guys who aren't that experienced at in terms of top level football, I mean barely experienced at top level of football in terms of, uh where where Pickford is concerned, and he, he he just said he's been absolutely delighted, thrilled, amazed by what what those guys have done. I have also full of praise for John Stones who he thinks is the the one that really makes the England team tick in terms of the, the way he plays well, the way they play out through the back and the way they defend and talk about his composure. used are both will both be on our, our website and, and I think that I think both make very, very different and very interesting observations on the team. Um, I think Neville's feeling was that it was 50-50, the, the Croatia game. Optimistic, but not, but not arrogantly confident. But, but then he, he retreated to 50-50. So his, his thoughts on Croatia were very interesting as well and, and, and how they can be stopped. But I have to say, even if we're talking 50-50 for, for, for the game against Croatia, he did feel that whoever got through um, out of France and Belgium would be favourites against whichever of England and Croatia in, in the final. And I, I would agree with that. I think, I think obviously, it's football. Anything can happen. Um, But I I would say France will now be the favourites going to the final.
1: It's been an exhausting night for France and Belgium, but arguably a more exhausting night for Adam Sage. If you pick up a copy of the game pullout today, you'll read how Adam watched France versus Belgium in France and in Belgium. Adam joins us now. Adam, explain what you've been up to.
7: Well, I started the evening in a bar in Tocquan, which is a little French town by the border with Belgium. So I watched the first half of the game with dozens of French supporters. Um, then I got in my car, drove over the border to Belgium to Moucombe, which is a little town on the Belgian side of the border. Where they had a fan zone in, uh, in, in the local club. And almost as soon as I arrived there, France scored, of course. <laughs> and so the, the mood, which had been a party mood, turned flat people in this border area of france and belgium they cross over the border all the time you don't even know there's a border there really no controls or none to speak of so uh and a lot of people live in france and work in belgium or vice, vice versa uh, and i met lots of french people in belgium uh, and in the bar in france there was a guy who turned up in a Belgian shirt so it's it's a, it's a very strange kind of mingling of atmospheres, really
1: I know you said you got there just in time to see France score but did the Belgians perhaps believe this was their year that they could do it
7: well I think I think there's a lot of feeling feeling in Belgium that they're going to have to wait a long time to have such a good side um, and such a great generation of players so yeah I mean I think it was kind of now or never for for Belgium it might be never now I suppose I mean I think you've got to go back a long time to have a a generation of Belgian players that good but of course, France feels this Bay yeah you can probably hear behind me people shouting in, in back in France now and honking of horns as as, uh, as a party move here
1: I was going to ask what are they doing how are they celebrating
7: well I mean they're celebrating in the traditional French way, which is basically to drive around honking horns in the cars <laughs> uh, I mean there are people driving around all over the place with flags hanging out of their cars and shouting and screaming and, There are lots of people walking around with their particular flags, of course, as well. So, quite in marked contrast, we just had a radio interview with Didier Deschamps, who's very downbeat, uh, and obviously trying to stop his players from getting uh, carried away. I mean, the rest of France is carried away, but he isn't.
1: I mean, I'm guessing it might be a sleepless night for you, Adam, but could this be the start of a, a great rivalry between Belgium and France, do you think?
7: No, I don't think so, really. I mean, I mean, the Belgians would have loved to have beaten France, uh, a bit like the Scots love to beat the English, really. But the French are very fond of the Belgians, really. I don't think there'll be a big rivalry there. It's very friendly, really.
1: Mm. Well, Adam, we appreciate you coming on. Go and enjoy that party in France, and thank you very much. Okay,
7: okay I think you're right. It's going to be a sleep this night.
1: <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> That's it for now. Many thanks to my guests today, Bill Edgar, Daria Brentine, Adam Sage, Henry Winter and Oliver Kay. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for just a pound a week for your first eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast supplier. We'll be back on Wednesday night when we know who France will play in the World Cup final. Will it be Croatia or will it be England?
3: The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.